So find Deuteronomy 6, and after you've found that, let's stand together. Let's read it. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all the statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, and it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the door per, doorposts of your house and on your gates. Of course, this is directed uh, specifically to Israel, but much application for us as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words of instruction. We thank you for uh, these words of wisdom. We know they come from you. And Lord, uh, even though they were directed uh, originally to Israel, we know that your moral law has not changed. And so you still desire for us to teach uh, the generations that are coming behind us uh, the words of your truth, the words of your law. And Lord, we pray that you would help us be faithful in that. And Lord, as we think uh, this summer about the family, uh, we pray that uh, families would be strengthened, that uh, we would uh, be wise enough to go to your word and uh, seek to apply the principles of your truth to our families. And Lord, we pray that as we do that, that you would bless, that you would make our families rock solid, that you would uh, uh, help us no matter what uh, direction our society may be going, no matter what is politically correct or incorrect, that we would stick with the truth of your word and that we would teach our children and that we would uh, influence the next generations that are coming behind us. And Lord, that you would uh, help us to be stronger as a result. So Lord, we pray that you would bless uh, our focus on uh, family life this summer, that you would use it in all of our lives. We know that it is absolutely relevant to each and every one of us. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless this morning. Uh, Lord, as we worship, as we uh, uh, consider these truths, that our hearts would be focused totally on you, that uh, we would uh, worship in spirit and truth, that we would uh, have hearts that are ready and receptive and open to what you have for us today. And, Lord, we thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, no one really needs to tell us that the family is in serious trouble today. In fact, it is highly likely that our generation has seen the end of the traditional family. Marriages are in trouble. Less than half of all children are growing up in a family with two parents in their first marriage. In fact, only 64% of children today are growing up in families where there are two parents present. Oftentimes, children are growing up in homes where there is great conflict and instability. In many cases, parents don't know what to do with their rebellious children. The child-centered family has become the norm to the detriment of not only the entire family structure, but to those children who rule the roost. And of course, many factors have contributed to the demise of the traditional family. The influence of liberal political views, the influence of liberal theology, a lack of biblical teaching, the influence of the media, and many others. At the family level, there is poor communication, uncontrolled anger, verbal abuse, selfishness, demanding one's own way, a lack of love, a lack of discipline, and many, many others. This has led to a series of tragic consequences, sinful patterns and social problems such as immorality, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, abortion, domestic abuse, juvenile crime, women's liberation, and many other similar outcomes. And all of these things really have served as cords forming a rope that has, in effect, strangled the family. The family, as God designed it to be, has become very rare in these days. Families are truly struggling. And since so much of our meaning and purpose comes from this most intimate of relationships, it is understandable why so many now are struggling with finding meaning and purpose in life. When the family cracks and crumbles, so does the sense of meaning and security in life. We are desperately in need of the principles of God's Word applied to our families. And even though some of us are now in that stage of life where our children are grown and out of the house, we can still apply these important principles in our marriages and with our children and even great-grandchildren, as well as continuing to help our children even though they are now adults. You know, sometimes I think that all of us would like to put our families into some kind of protective bubble so that nothing could ever harm them. I know most parents feel that way about their children. And as you send your children out to 
school and out into the world, don't you just wish that you could put them into some kind of protective bubble so that they would never be exposed to anything that would harm them in any way or undermine the values that you're trying to teach them. But we all know it doesn't work that way. We can protect them from some negative influences by the standards that we have in our homes and by the choices that we make, but we can't protect them from everything. So this morning, I want to show you something that can have an even more powerful impact on your family than a protective bubble. We are beginning a new series today on the family, and I want us to start in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So turn back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, Moses gave the people of Israel this powerful tool as they went from the wilderness into the promised land. And paraphrasing what he said, you could put it this way. These are the things God wants you to get into your life so that when you go into the promised land, you will be able to survive. In other words, Moses was telling them how to live successfully in a land where he knew there would be much opposition. And God knew that the key to their survival was dependent upon their having strong families. And God knew that their greatest danger was not a battle against this world. Their greatest danger was becoming like the world's. That has never changed. It has always been that way. It is still the greatest danger of the family to become like the world. And what Moses told the Israelites for having successful families is still very relevant for us today. Now, we read it a few minutes ago, but let's go through it in more detail. We have a very simple outline this morning. We're going to see the law of the Lord the love of the Lord, and learning the law and love of the Lord. So that's our outline. Notice, first of all, the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is a powerful force. It is greater than a protective bubble for our family. Moses began by saying, fear the Lord your God in verse 2. Of course, when he said that, he did not mean that they were to live in dread of God or be afraid of Him in the way that most people think of the word fear. God is not just sitting around waiting for us to mess up so He can squash us like a bug. The word for fear there, of course, means reverence and awe. It means that we're to have great respect for God and for His commandments. These commandments are absolutes. They are the absolutes of God. They are very important for family living. 
Moses said that if the people did not highly respect the laws of God, that they would go into the promised land and they would fail miserably with enormous consequences. It is still the same today. Our families will disintegrate today if we do not follow God's design. And listen, it does not matter that our world has given up on absolutes. That doesn't matter. If we do not highly respect the commandments of God, we will pay a great price in our families. One pastor wrote this. He said, one of my first experiences of disregarding absolutes was in a science project in school. I was in elementary school, and I was supposed to demonstrate some kind of scientific principle to the whole class. And my dad had taught me how to make a magnet out of a bolt by the use of electricity. And I thought it was really cool, so I couldn't wait to get to school that day to impress all the other boys. And, in fact, I was hoping it might impress a couple of the girls as well. He said, I went to class, I put all my project supplies out on the table, and I began my demonstration. Everyone in the class was watching carefully. I wrapped a wire around the bolt and attached it to the positive end of one battery. Then I attached the other end to the positive post of another battery. I tried to pick up a piece of metal and nothing happens. It didn't work. I kept trying and trying to get it to work, but it wouldn't. Finally, I said, well, I guess the batteries are no good, and I sat back down in embarrassment. I put all my stuff back in a bag and went home that day in humiliation. When I got home, I told my dad what happened, and he explained to me what I had done wrong. I should have put one wire on the positive end and one wire on the negative end. Then the pastor said this, That science project taught me an important lesson about absolutes. An absolute law of science was involved. And if I didn't heed that law, things would not work properly. I learned that day that you cannot disregard absolutes without ill effects. This is just as true with the absolutes of God's Word. This is just as true in regard to your family. And by the way, you can choose to disregard those absolutes if you want to, but when you do, you will pay the price for disregarding God's truth. And folks, I hope you understand, it does not matter what anyone in this world says. God has designed the family. And he has given us some absolute principles in regard to the family. And if we disregard those principles, we will suffer as a result. Our families and our lives will not be blessed as God intended. So why do people today often disregard God's absolutes as far as 
the family goes, and even generally speaking. Why do people disregard God's absolutes? You know, there are some things that are always right and some things that are always wrong. And yet, most people in our society today do not believe that. Why is that? Here is why I believe God's absolutes are being ignored today. Turn with me in your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes 8, and look with me at verse 11. This is the reason. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. That verse is simply saying that because of delayed consequences, we think we can get by with evil. We think we can get by with compromise. You see, God does not always bring the consequences of our wrongdoing about immediately. And so many people conclude that it will never come. And we think we can pick and choose and do what we want and that there will be no consequences for our actions. But God assures us that the consequences will come eventually. The absolutes of God do not change. And they always carry consequences. Now, we may not see the adverse consequences of our choices immediately, but they will come in due time. And you can't disregard God's principles for your family without eventually paying the price. It may be years down the road, but it will come. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord, the awe and respect of the absolutes of God is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. Only a fool would disregard the Lord's instruction to his own peril. But going back to Deuteronomy 6, there's another phrase that I want you to notice in Deuteronomy 6 too. It says, keep all his statutes and commandments. Notice that we're not just supposed to know His commandments, we are supposed to keep them. Verse 1 says that you might do them. Verse 3 says, and be careful to do it. The emphasis here is that it is not enough to simply know what is right. You have to do what is right. Not only must we know the absolutes of God, but we must live according to them. This is the very same thing that Joshua told the Lord's people in Joshua 1.8. He said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. I've had people come into my office for counseling. And they know the Bible. They can quote Bible passages, but their marriages are in a mess. Their homes are falling apart. What's the problem? The problem is 
They're not doing what they know. Listen, it does not matter how much of the Bible we know if we are not putting it into practice in our daily lives. And I am firmly convinced that God wants the very best for each and every one of us. He wants us to be successful, especially when it comes to our families. But it is all dependent upon living according to the absolutes that He has given us in His Word. Now, there is one last phrase in the first section that I want you to notice back in Deuteronomy 6. Look at the last phrase of verse 2. That your days may be prolonged. This is a way of saying that if we are careful to heed His absolutes, we will have a long and prosperous life. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean materially prosperous, but it's talking about the overall quality of life. It is another way of saying that we will be fulfilled and successful. God is really giving us here a law of success. Do you want to be successful in your family life? Then do it God's way. You know, some people get the idea that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that God's love became so predominant that it did away with his law. But Jesus said he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And yes, the ceremonial aspects of the Mosaic law have been abrogated, as we have seen in our study of Hebrews. But the moral law of God is absolute and unchanging. The moral law of God is based on his own nature and character. God does not change, and neither do his principles. And what God intended for the family at the beginning of creation, he still intends for the family today. It doesn't matter that the times have changed and that the culture has changed. His moral laws have not changed. In fact, the truth of the matter is, you cannot separate the law of God from the love of God. The two always go hand in hand. I mean, Jesus said in John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. In other words, it is the keeping of the moral law of God that shows we truly love Christ. Obeying the moral law of God gives evidence of our love, not just singing songs about loving God or telling people how much we love Him, but proving it by our actions. So we see the importance of the law of God. Secondly, we see the love of the Lord. The love of the Lord. Verses 4 through 6 talk about the love of the Lord. This is the second thing that is more powerful than a protective bubble. But now, before I say too much about the love of God, I want to make sure that we understand the definition of the word love. There are so many different definitions of the word love in our day and time, it's easy to get confused. I think, biblically, you can boil the word love down to the aspect of giving. 
Love is synonymous with giving. God so loved the world that He, what? Gave His only begotten Son. And what did the Son do? He gave His life to die in our place, to make an atonement for our sin. That's what the word love is all about here. It is the giving of yourself. Now, Moses describes the love that we are to have for God in verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This means that we are to give to the Lord all that we are. And this attitude is to be reflected then in our families. If we're not careful, we will end up giving to everyone else and have nothing left for our own families. And I know many in the ministry that have done exactly that. They're always out ministering to other people while the needs of their family are being neglected. But I believe that the love that we have for the Lord should spill over into the kind of love that we have for our families. Notice what happens when we have this kind of love toward God. Verse 6 says, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. The way that God's absolutes become a part of your nature and lifestyle is by loving God enough to highly respect and meditate upon His commandments continually. God's Word should continually be on our hearts. This is a large part of our love for God that is meditating on His Word. If you truly love God and you are grateful for His free gift of eternal life through Christ, then His commands are not going to be burdensome to you. They are not drudgery. They will become second nature in your life. We will want to obey, and we will want to know His truths because we will want His Word to constantly be on our hearts. You know, one of the most important decisions that you and I can make every single day is what we are going to allow to be on our hearts. What do we fill our minds with? What are we preoccupied with? What do we spend our time doing? Do we have God's priorities as we go through our day? This is why it is so important that we spend time every day with the Lord. We've got to spend time every single day in His Word. That's why it's so important that we're taking every opportunity to immerse ourselves in God's Word. We need to get the things of the Lord on our hearts. You see, we often don't have a lot of time when things come up in life to stop and reflect and say, gee, I wonder what God's absolutes are on this. Life happens too fast. His truth has to become a part of our everyday thinking process. His truth has to become such an integral part of our lives and our thinking that we just react biblically when anything 
comes up. So we've got to make sure that God's Word is getting in our hearts. One pastor told the account of going to visit a family in his church. And when he got there, he could see the father and the son out in the backyard. And so rather than going to the door and knocking, he just kind of went around the side of the house. And when he got close close enough, he could hear the father cursing and yelling at his son for something that he had done or failed to do. But when he saw the pastor, he started patting the boy on the head and speaking kindly to him. And the pastor said, I wanted to say, too late, you've been caught. You see, how we behave in our daily lives is what's, it's based on what's in our heart. And it is especially true when it comes to how we treat our families. In the context of the home, what is in the heart inevitably comes out. It comes out. But having the things of God on our hearts will greatly affect the way we love God and the way we love our families. Notice the last thing in this passage of Scripture. Learning the law and the love of the Lord. God's law and His love must become part of our family life. And you know, parents have a sobering, God-given responsibility to instruct their children in God's Word. It's not just pastors who are to bear the weight of training in sound doctrine. Parents also have that responsibility. The Lord has commanded, you shall teach them, that is the principles of God's law, diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. The Hebrew word for teach them diligently means to sharpen or to pierce the conscience and challenge the loyalty. In other words, Moses was saying that they were to form the thinking patterns of their children based upon the principles of God's Word. Really, this is talking about teaching sound doctrine. And the truth of the matter is, the teaching of sound doctrine is becoming weaker and weaker with every passing generation. Because Christians are not being taught sound doctrine, many today are wholeheartedly embracing error. And there is very little biblical discernment. As a result, a lot of so-called Christians now find popular philosophies more satisfying than biblical truth. I read a quote from Tim Challies this week. He said, we have attempted to make Christianity palatable by making it simplistic We now have gospel light and surface devotional thoughts are the bulk of the diet in the church. And Chalice has stated that there are a number of reasons why doctrinal ignorance now pervades the church. But he says, for decades, Christians have focused on felt needs rather than doctrinal truths. 
we have focused on immediately applicable topical sermons rather than verse-by-verse exposition that unleashes the whole truth of God's whole Word. We have ceased catechizing our children, building within them a solid, systematic foundation for their faith, and we have emphasized Christianity as a relationship with God at the expense of Christianity as an established body of truth. Now, all of this has taken a toll on the church, as you know. But the point here is that it all starts in the family. It starts at home. We must be teaching sound doctrine, not only in the church, but also in the home. And, of course, Christianity is more than sound doctrine, but it can never be less than sound doctrine. Our relationship to God must be built on the solid foundation of biblical truth. And every believer must be grounded in God's Word and able to discern truth from error. It all starts with you. It all starts in your home. Now, there are groups of people today that are saying, you know, we really shouldn't try to form children's thinking. You know, we should just allow our children to think for themselves and make their own choices, etc. In fact, there are many today who say that we as parents really have no right to tell our children what is right and wrong. But rather, they say, we should expose them to all kinds of things and let them make up their own minds. I've heard parents say, well, you know, I'm just going to let my child make up his own mind. I don't want to shove anything down his throat, including and perhaps especially religion. Folks, according to the authority of God's Word, that is absolute hogwash. God says, teach them diligently every single day. When you're sitting around the house, when you're walking around, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, be constantly pouring the Word of God into their lives. You're not poking it down their throats. You're pouring it into their hearts. Make no mistake. We are to do this when it comes to the things of God, His absolutes. We, we don't need to be apologetic about it. It is something God says that we're to do. And you know, when you think about this whole philosophy of just letting our kids decide and make up their own minds, we don't do that in most things. But for some reason, we think that we should do that when it comes to spiritual things. You know, if your child wakes up in the morning and he says, I don't want to go to school today, you don't say, well, that's fine, honey. You just make up your own mind. And yet, many do exactly that when it comes to going to church and learning the things of God. Folks, listen, we should not give our children a choice about going to Sunday school and church. We shouldn't give them a choice about being in the youth group. We should say to them, as long as you are under my roof, we're going to, as a family, 
honor the Lord and worship the Lord every Lord's day. And we should teach them that God has absolutes that we must live by. You know, if your child comes home and says, I don't want 2 plus 2 to equal 4. I want it to equal 5. You don't say, well, whatever you think, it's your choice. Folks, that's nonsense. At least it's nonsense to anyone who is rational and has any common sense left. And it is just as much nonsense to do that in the spiritual realm. These are God's absolutes. We are to be teaching them to our children constantly. And I promise you, folks, it does make a difference. Now you say, well, how can I teach the absolutes of God to my family? Well, he tells us here. He says, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. The two key words there are the words talk and walk. That phrase, talk of them when you sit in your house, is a reference to those informal times when you're relaxing at home. This is talking about family time together. I hope you still have that. I hope you still have meals together and have times when you're being together as a family. But in order to follow this admonition, it requires that we turn some things off and that we tune some things in. It means, first of all, you have to turn off all the devices. And it means you have to tune in to your children. Don't just veg out and stare at the TV. Take those opportunities to be teaching your family about the things of God. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean having formal family devotions, although that is a great thing to do. But you can be looking for those teachable moments at home when you can insert one of God's principles and talk about how it applies to a particular situation. The phrase, when you walk by the way, is a reference to your lifestyle. You teach as much or more by your actions than by your words. So what this is saying is, be an example before your children by loving God and loving His Word. In other words, you better walk your talk. Walk your talk. You know, I believe that one of the main reasons that teenagers rebel is when they observe hypocrisy in their parents. You know, it's not enough just to talk the talk. It's not enough to be able to constantly spout Scripture. It's not enough to have all your theological I's dotted and T's crossed. If your family does not see that there is a genuine love for God and an honest desire to obey His commands, then your actions will outweigh what you say you believe, and you will be laying the groundwork for rebellion. And if your children do not see you exhibit a high priority for the church, the bride of Christ, then they will know that it really doesn't mean that much to you. And as soon as they are old enough, they will also forsake the church. 
And folks, that is one of the main reasons, I believe, why we have young people leaving the church in droves. But notice it also says, when you lie down. When you lie down. You know, bedtime's a great time to teach children about God. You can read Bible stories to them. We have great resources in our bookstore. You can teach them how to pray. You, you may be able to uh, talk with them about something that's on their mind and, and teach them a spiritual principle that will be appropriate for that context. Then it says, when you rise up, this is a great opportunity to teach your children to get into God's Word first thing every morning. And you've got to model that yourself. What an important discipline it is to learn from the very earliest of age that God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path, and that following God's Word will lead to a life of abundance and blessing. Well, very quickly, look at verses 8 and 9 with me. It says, you You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, before you start thinking that this means to put Scripture memory cards all over the house or tape them on your forehead, understand this is to be taken symbolically. This is a figure of speech. As I'm sure you know, the Pharisees in Jesus' day took this literally and started wearing these large boxes called phylacteries uh, literally on their heads and on their wrists. But that was not the intent. This is not talking about wearing a portion of the Bible around like a piece of jewelry. It simply means that God's Word is to be woven throughout the fabric of your life. It is not not about decor. It is about discipline. And Moses was saying that teaching our families the things of God is to be a continual lifestyle. It is not just a Sunday morning thing. Why? Why is this so important? So that you can be successful in God's eyes. So that you can enjoy the kind of successful family living that God intends for your family. And you can put your family, rather than in some kind of protective bubble, you can do something even more powerful than that. You can give them a love for God's absolutes. You can give them a love for God Himself that will carry them through anything they may encounter in this life. And you know, we're going to go through various aspects of the family throughout the summer. And I hope that you will commit to being part of every single message in this series and that you'll invite someone to be with you because we all need to know what God has to say in His Word. Let's pray together. Father, we pray this morning. You'll help us to just get off on the right foundation to know, first of all, that your word is absolute truth. You have given us principles to live by. And, Lord, it doesn't matter what the world may think or say. It doesn't matter what might be politically correct. Lord, we want to do what your word says.
So Lord, help us to be people of the book. Help us to be completely committed to you and your truth. Lord, we, we want to have families that honor you. We want to have families that are fulfilled and, and uh, a happy place and a joyful place that uh, we can enjoy each other's relationship and our relationship with you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to do it right, to do it according to your principles. So, Lord, we pray that you would uh, now work in our hearts and minds. I pray if there's anyone here today that does not know Christ, they would come to know you. I pray for believers that, that we would, first of all, have that desire to conform to your word in every way. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us today and, and build us up in the faith. And Lord, I pray that we would walk in a way that pleases you. So Lord, bless our response now to your word. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.